altar against the sky, and search between the winged roofs of the temples for the point of gold, where tall Athene of the vanguard lifts her spear to the ships at sea. But I liked best to look north at the range of Parnes, snow-topped or scorched brown in summer, or grey and green in spring, and watch for the Spartans coming over. Until I was six, they came nearly every year. They came over the pass at Decalia, and, as a rule, some horsemen brought word of their coming, but sometimes the first we knew in the city was the smoke on the hills where they were burning a farm. Our own place is in the foothills, beyond Achanai. Our family has been there, as they say, since the grasshoppers came. The slope above the valley is terraced for vines, but the best crop is the olives, and the barley from the olive fields. There was one grove nearly as old, I think, as the earth itself. The trunks were as thick as three men's bodies, and all knotted and gnarled. Athene herself was reputed to have planted them when she gave the olive as a gift to the land. Two or three of them are standing still. We sacrificed there at every harvest time, that is, when there was a harvest. I used to be sent to the farm early each spring to get the country air, and fetched back when it was time for the Spartans to come. But once, when I was four or five, they came early, and we had a great scramble to get away. I remember sitting in the cart with the women slaves and the household gear, my father riding beside us, and the slave pricking the oxen on, the cart wheels jolting, and all of us coughing with the smoke of the burning fields. Everything was burned that year, all but the house walls and the sacred olive grove, which they piously spared. Being too young to understand serious things, I used to look forward, when they had gone, to seeing what they had been up to. One year a troop of them had been quartered in the farmhouse, and those who could write had inscribed the names of their friends, with various tributes to their beauty and virtue, all over the walls. I recall my father rubbing angrily at the charcoal, and saying, Get this ignorant scrawl whited over. The boy will never learn to spell, or to make his letters properly with this in front of him. One of the Spartans had left his comb behind. I thought it a treasure, but my father said in disgust that it was filthy, and threw it away. For my own part, I don't think I knew what trouble meant till I was turned six. My grandmother, who had taken charge of me whenever my father was at war, died then. My grandfather, Philocles, a tall old man with a beautiful beard, always just combed and white almost to blueness, in whose image I see the god Poseidon to this day, was growing infirm and could not do with me. So my father engaged a nurse, a free woman from Rhodes. She was slim and swarthy, with a strain of Egypt in her. Presently I grew to know, without quite knowing what it meant, that she was my father's concubine. Not that he ever failed in propriety before me, but sometimes I used to hear things said by the slaves who had their own reasons to hate her. If I had been a little older, 
I might have consoled myself when her hand lay heavy on me with the thought that my father would soon be weary of her. She had no such graces as he could have found in a hetaira of very moderate accomplishment, and in those days he could afford the best. But to me she seemed as lasting a part of my house as the porch or the well. She herself began to guess, I think, that when I was old enough to go to school with a pedagogue, he would take the occasion to be rid of her, so any progress I made was a signal for her anger. Seeking some company, I had got a stray kitten from a slave, which presently finding, she wrung its neck before me. While trying to get it from her, I bit her arm, and it was then she told me, after her own fashion, the tale of my birth, which she had heard from the slaves. So when she beat me, I never thought of telling my father or...